So I'm very pleased, very pleased to introduce to you Joe Goldman, uh, who's the Community Engagement Director for the Western Region of Hyas, the world's oldest and only Jewish international humanitarian agency serving refugees and asylum seekers of all backgrounds. Hyas, uh, you will recall, stands for the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. He mobilizes activists, organizations, and lawmakers across California to ensure that displaced people are treated with the dignity that they deserve. Before joining Hayas, Joe worked at Mazon, a Jewish response to hunger, the San Francisco-based Jewish Community Relations Council, and began his career working on several political campaigns and progressive advocacy efforts. Joe holds both a BA in political communications and masters of political management from the George Washington University in Washington, DC, and lives in his native Los Angeles with his husband, Adam. He grew up in Pacific Palisades and his folks still live only a few blocks from KI. So please help give me, help me give uh, him a warm KI. Welcome as he comes to the Bima. Shana Tova. You can hear me. Uh, thank you so much, Rabbi Amy, for the very warm introduction, and to all of you for welcoming me into the Kehillat Israel community on this very holy day. Although for nearly 50 years my family belonged to University Synagogue, now owned by Wilshire Boulevard Temple, as you heard, I am a Pacific Palisades native who grew up walking distance from KI. Uh, my folks live around the corner from Rabbi Daniel Scher, and I went to Marquez Village and Windward Schools. So it's like a homecoming. And across the decades, I knew many KI families, attended a fair share of simchas at the synagogue, and was always, always very proud to have such an inclusive and progressive Jewish community anchor in Pacific Palisades. And after living in D.C. for and San Francisco for 11 years, I returned to L.A. with my husband in 2018 and just live up the street from you in Brentwood. So... I am humbled to be here on behalf of Hyas, the world's oldest and only Jewish global humanitarian agency serving forcibly displaced people of all backgrounds across five continents. But before speaking in depth with you about refugees today, I want to acknowledge that we are operating at a time in which we face so many challenges in America. Whether it's access to abortion and gender-affirming care, the climate crisis, or well-organized assaults on the institutions that keep our fragile liberal democracy functioning, it can feel very difficult for many of us to fathom how we can possibly manage to welcome the stranger when we must clean up our own home. Yet I remember that the latest my own family arrived in America was 1907, when my great-grandmother, Dinah Waller, reached the United States after fleeing pogroms in her native Lithuania, she arrived at a time in which she had no right to vote, no right to control her own body. She was considered white enough to immigrate here, but not white enough to avoid pervasive, widespread anti-Semitic discrimination. And she moved to a country where the state was terrorizing millions of people through Jim Crow laws and genocidal actions against Native Americans. Like Jews for generations, Dinah was a stranger in a strange land. Despite living 
in another time and dimension that is alien to all of us today, Dinah and her peers and the generations that followed them persevered. They, the descendants of refugees, alongside those of former slaves and indigenous communities, fought for change in ways to make the idea of America far more real than it was when Dinah arrived. They've gone through two world wars, domestic upheavals, participated in both the fights for and experienced the backlashes against the gains achieved by Jews, people of color, women, and LGBTQ people. And it's worth noting, there are millions of Jews who are people of color, women, and LGBTQ. Today's refugees are our future leaders. We owe it not just to them, but to our own communal safety and aspirations for a more equitable America to sustain and expand the policies that welcome the stranger. Too often in the Jewish community, we come up against a false binary that we must choose between the particular and the universal. That fighting for Jewish values that may benefit non-Jews is somehow contradictory to fighting for Jews ourselves. I have been in rooms where major Jewish community leaders and donors flat out say, if it's not helping other Jews, it's not Jewish, period. Never mind the fact that the Torah commands us to welcome the stranger no fewer than 36 times, more than any other commandment. Roughly 20 years ago, a decade after the collapse of the Soviet Union, Global Jewry reached an unprecedented moment in history in which the overwhelming majority of our people lived in countries where they had freedom of movement. After all, Hayas helped resettle roughly 4 million Jews all over the world during its first century. But instead of shutting our doors, the UN and State Department encouraged us to lean into our decades of experience as a Jewish agency working on behalf of people of all backgrounds. Today we say we helped refugees because they were Jewish, and now we help refugees because we are Jewish. There are some who claim that Jews must only care for themselves because we're in a world full of people who hate us, taking important lessons of the necessity of communal safety and self-defense from the Holocaust and Zionism to a whole new extreme. On the other end of the spectrum, there are folks who argue that because of our great success as a community in the United States and in Israel, it's unnecessary or even offensive to dare to stand up for our own Jewish-specific concerns. Neither perspective squares with the lived experiences and worldviews held by most American Jews. Polling across the board demonstrates it. The LA Federation's recent study of Jewish LA found that 88% of local Jews view social justice and equity as very important or important to how they build and sustain Jewish identity, over 20% higher than almost any other tenet of Jewish life. National polls bear similar results. To pull from Hatikva, welcoming the stranger gets to Nefesh Yehudi, the Jewish soul. Refugee policy itself demonstrates that there is no need to choose. The global refugee resettlement system was established in the 1951 UN Geneva Convention in direct response 
to what happened to Jews after the Shoah, after witnessing the consequences of denying Jews a safe and legal means to seek refuge elsewhere, the international community came together to make sure that it never happens again to Jews or anyone else. Think about it. The UN, an institution with a very complicated history at best in the Jewish world, set forth the entire refugee resettlement system. It's truly remarkable. Both America and Israel are signatories of this treaty, and even though both governments, alongside multitudes of others, often fail to enforce their own agreements, it's a historic matter of Jewish safety and prosperity nonetheless. L.A. Jewish life alone would be unrecognizable if not for refugee policy. Think of the hundreds of thousands of Holocaust survivors and their progeny, Jews from the former Soviet Union and Iran, including members of my own family, and Israelis, many of whom were former refugees themselves before coming to America, and their collective progeny who all make L.A. their home. Think of the countless contributions of, to our communal vitality, to LA's economy, culture, politics from Jewish and non-Jewish refugees that greatly benefit us all. Our communal well-being thrives because of policies that welcome not just the Jewish stranger, but all strangers seeking refuge. Just because most refugees today are blissfully not Jewish, why on earth why we, would we turn our backs on the refugee policies that enabled millions of us to exist today? What kind of absurdity is that? Pulling up the drawbridge just because we got what we needed as a community. Many of you are familiar with Hayes' work on behalf of Ukrainian refugees, which I'll go into greater detail about later. But the way we even think and talk about Ukrainians exemplifies the balance between the particular and the universal. Ukraine, called Ukraina in both Ukrainian and Russian, my apologies if I butchered the pronunciation, literally means borderland. Yes, geopolitically, it means the borderland on many different empires that ruled over it, from Russians to Poles to back to Russians and Soviets, the Nazis and Soviets again. It's also the borderland of fragile democracy and authoritarianism. Just as Israel literally translates to, to struggle with God, I see another meaning with Ukraine for the Jewish community today. We are confronting the borderlands of our own emotional and intellectual challenges as Jews, of recognizing the need to stand up for our own people as there are hundreds of thousands of Jews in Ukraine and for others. We're at the borderlands of the universalist and the particularist experiences that shape Jewish history, culture, and values. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky, the Jewish grandson of a Holocaust survivor, lives both literally and figuratively in those borderlands. As a Jew, I take great pride in Zelensky, fighting for his own diaspora country, proving that we Jews can be accepted and admired by billions around the globe and inspire fear in authoritarian dictators. If Zelensky can fight for Ukrainians of all backgrounds, of Jews and non-Jews, then so can we. And we can apply that same tenacity not just to Ukrainian refugees, but to refugees from anywhere around the world. 
K.I., you too sit at the borderlands of the particular and universal. You embrace it. By forming two highest welcome circles to resettle Afghan families after the fall of Kabul last year, KI is in the vanguard of launching private sponsorship for refugee resettlement in the United States and setting the record straight that for American Jews, standing up for refugees is an inextricable part of how and why we do Jewish. But how did we get here? Let's look at some numbers and history for greater context, and I promise I will not quiz you later, at least until after you're done fasting. Our resettlement system was gutted under the previous administration. In the 2020 to 2021 fiscal year, we only welcomed 11,000 refugees, down from a bipartisan average of 95,000. Yes, now we have a pro-refugee administration which reset refugee admissions to 125,000 for the fiscal year that began just over a year ago on October 1st, meaning that critical funding should be released to NGOs like Hyas and our partners on the ground to hire case managers, social workers, translators, and others in the long-running public-private partnership that defines refugee resettlement. Then we could go off into the sunset, rebuild the system, and live happily ever after, right? Except that is so not what happened. Kabul fell in mid-August, six weeks before the new fiscal year. And as you may remember from watching the news, the administration did not have an evacuation plan. Normally, a resettlement agency has a lead of at least 10 days to three weeks before new clients arrive. But when 76,000 arrived all at once, our atrophied system was completely unprepared. Given the unprecedented strain, a solution known as sponsor circles has been pioneered across the United States, modeled on the private sponsorship program that's wildly popular in Canada, a country that welcomes far more refugees on a proportional basis than the United States. And with deep experience in refugee resettlement and honed strategies for educating and organizing the Jewish community, we launched Highest Welcome Circles. Of the 32 Highest Welcome Circles serving Afghans across the country, a whopping 14 of them were right here in California, and two of them were here at KI. (laughs) Round of applause. With training, technical assistance, and volunteer vetting provided by Hyas, Welcome Circles are groups of five to eight people, typically anchored at a synagogue or another Jewish organization, who commit to forming mini-agencies for a minimum of six months to welcome Afghan newcomers by helping find new housing, enrolling kids in schools, signing up for programs like Medicaid and food stamps, and vocational training. Since most Afghans airlifted have been denied immediate refugee status and are instead considered humanitarian parolees, the majority of highest welcome circles have had to also secure precious and rare legal aid for our new neighbors. In Southern California, we required that circles raise $20,000, all kept in-house, not given to highest, to ensure that basic needs are covered until newcomers are set for their new lives. When you move to a new country, there are many things you need to think about. Where are you going to live? Who are your new doctors? Where will your kids go to school? How are you going to furnish your home? It's a lot to take on. 
But Ki, you collectively said, Anachnu po, we are here, and you rose to the occasion. You did what was done for many of our ancestors as well as for hundreds of thousands of American Jews who arrived in this country as refugees in living memory over the last 70 years. You galvanized as a congregation to step up and welcome the stranger. You empowered newcomers with the tools to enable them to eventually reach self-sufficiency as new Americans. And you did it not just once, but twice. It's no surprise that forming Welcome Circles has had such a profound impact on the KI community. Here are a few insights I received with identities redacted for privacy purposes from a handful of KI Welcome Circle members. One person said, One of the families invited some of us to celebrate Eid al-Fitr with them. Their graciousness and generosity were a truly wonderful experience and insight to their culture. Learning their traditions of hosting was very similar to those that I have experienced in traditions of Judaism. Another wrote, I knew that both families would have a significant learning curve to welcome to coming to a new place with a very different culture. But one of the things that was unexpected for me was all the little things that were new to them. Things like how to understand the streetlights and when and where they should safely cross the street. How to use the dishwasher and what HIPAA healthcare forms were all about. I still don't get all of them. <laughs> they continued with, I was glad we were able to help bridge the gap with all these small but important things that we often take for granted. And finally... Our circle is assisting the family with two parents and a seven-month-old baby girl born in the United States. As a circle, we often reflect on how different her life will be because they took this amazing risk to give up everything and everyone they knew. It's amazing to think that if they are allowed to stay permanently, that she will grow up with the rights and privileges of an American girl. This is a very different picture than what it's like to grow up as an Afghan girl under the Taliban at this point in history. She is really curious, observant, and a very happy baby. She looks at everything so closely, and you can tell she is trying to make sense of her world. She will have so many more choices about who she becomes. Not to be overly Pollyanna-ish, but the sky is the limit for her here. And I still included that despite the many setbacks for the rights of women in this country this year. Because it is true. KI, not only have you formed two highest welcome circles to support Afghans, but you're also forming one for Ukrainians as well. You just keep going. It's amazing. And you're doing so despite the process of welcoming Ukrainians being almost as confusing and haphazard as the Afghan airlift this last summer. Since the start of the war in Ukraine, highest advocated for the Biden administration to resettle Ukrainian refugees. Finally, two months after the war began, the administration launched Uniting for Ukraine, a program which will save thousands of lives. Practically speaking, the process is intended to provide speedy entry, which is awesome, but people will only be granted temporary humanitarian parole rather than permanent status. Ukrainians may want to go home quickly, but unfortunately that may not be possible for a long time. 
even the many who have returned to Ukraine are largely staying in the country's western regions, away from the south and east focal points where the war of this war, where entire cities and towns have been destroyed or are too unsafe to inhabit. Social and economic challenges, especially an acute housing shortage, dampen abilities for Ukrainians to stay. Individuals in America who sponsor Ukrainians must prove that they have enough wealth to ensure that Ukrainians don't become public charges, a policy once used to deny entry to Jewish refugees fleeing the Nazis. It's even more confusing because Ukrainians are actually eligible for programs like Medicaid, SNAP, and TANF, but thousands never signed up for the programs out of fear that it could compromise their stay in the United States for their straining private sector philanthropy support for them. Just as we've seen with over half of all Afghans, resorting to humanitarian parole means putting Ukrainians into our overburdened immigration courts to seek asylum, which is a wholly insufficient way to ensure that new arrivals have access to the self-determination that they deserve. Another sharp contrast with Afghanistan is that the U.S. government isn't matching Ukrainians with sponsors. The Uniting for Ukraine program privileges Ukrainians with American ties, otherwise leaving thousands to seek sponsors through social media, creating a situation rife with opportunities for human trafficking. That's why Hyas has developed a sophisticated matching system deployed by our staff in Ukraine and its neighbors to bridge this gap, to ensure that Ukrainians in need are connected with Hyas welcome circles like the one at KI to reach safety and stability. Ukraine is home to 44 million people roughly, and roughly 200,000 Jews, the seventh largest Jewish community on the planet. The pin I'm wearing says my people were refugees too, and how it deeply pains me to say that my people are refugees again. And I want to make one point abundantly clear. Hyas and our many Jewish community partners on the ground in Ukraine, Poland, Romania, Moldova, and Slovakia are working day and night to help every person fleeing the war zones, Jews and non-Jews alike. They must get access to the safety and refuge they deserve. Too many viewed this work as an either-or proposition, and as I've made it very clear at highest, it is and always will be a both-and. Most of the solutions to help Jews and non-Jews alike are indeed the same. Whether a refugee simply wants to get to Poland, America, or Israel, they all must travel by land to escape Ukraine. And if they choose to remain internally displaced within Ukraine or seek safety in a neighboring country, Hyas is there providing cash-based assistance, psychosocial support, access to food and medicine, staunching and staunching the spread of gender-based and anti-LGBTQ violence. The word teshuva, which on Yom Kippur we associate with the act of asking for forgiveness, literally translates to the words return and to make whole in Hebrew. It's notable that many countries Jews once fled en masse have transformed into safe havens for Ukrainian refugees, Jews and non-Jews overnight. Remember, just this past November, Poland fired water cannons against Afghan and Syrian asylum seekers at its border with Belarus. 
How extraordinary to think of Ukraine's neighbors, forever scarred by the industrialized genocide of Jews and still haunted by pervasive strains of anti-Semitism, racism, and profound anti-immigrant xenophobia, suddenly welcoming millions of mostly white Ukrainians to have a return of Teshuvah to safety. When we speak of teshuvah, or return, in a Jewish context, we can also think of Israel's law of return, holkashvut, to return to safety in our own state, in our own homeland, which also plays a significant role in Hayes' work on behalf of Ukrainian refugees. Before I go any further, I want to share that Israel is my home away from home a nation I've visited eight times in the last 13 years. I'm a lifelong Zionist and advocate for two states for two peoples, and I professionally fought BDS in the Bay Area on, for half a decade and staffed civic delegations to the country. I always have to include a disclaimer before we talk about Israel. Hayes proudly helped establish Israel by resettling millions of Jewish refugees during every wave of Aliyah, even those preceding the country's independence. It's home to Hyas's longest-running foreign country office. We've held permanent operations in Israel since 1950, a presence exceeding the majority of Hyas's very long existence. And Israel is a place that gets to the heart and the challenge of the balancing between the particular and universal of Jewish experience, safety, and prosperity. For those who may not be as familiar... Israel is home to upwards of a million Jews from the former Soviet Union, and hundreds of thousands of them have non-Jewish spouses on a proportional basis, very similar to American Jews. All these people move to Israel under the law of return. Naturally, there are thousands of non-Jewish Ukrainians, and also Russians trying to escape Putin, who fled to the only other place on earth where they have family— and thanks to my colleagues who mobilized new legions of pro bono attorneys from Israel's robust, flourishing tech industry, Hyas has led successful impact litigation to ensure that more non-Jews from Ukraine and Russia who seek safety in Israel can do so. We're seeing new challenges unfold as thousands of Russians flee to Israel to escape Putin's draft, and we can all hope that the country can continue down a path of teshuvah, of allowing the return to safety that these individuals desperately need. Highest Israel's efforts on behalf of vulnerable populations from Ukraine and Russia, as well as asylum seekers from Eritrea and Sudan, and openly LGBTQ people from Palestine, continue to navigate these borderlands of the universal in particular, to fight for an Israel that lives up to the Zionist dream of a state that is safe, and a welcoming Jewish democracy. If Hayes and our partners can find the right balance of our aspirations in Israel, a country facing enormous geopolitical challenges that make some of our own very scary problems in the United States seem like a walk in the park, then you bet we could do it right here. So here's your post-Yom Kippur action plan. First, when it's time, break your fast if you're fasting. Second, Contact Rabbi Daniel Scher to find out how you can get involved with the highest welcome circle at KI for Ukrainians, whether it's fundraising, leveraging your networks to help with jobs or housing and more. It takes a whole village to make it work. And finally, get involved in advocacy with Hyas. 
visit HIAS.org or ask, ask Rabbi Daniel for my email. It's my first name, last name, joe.goldman at highest.org. You don't need to write it down. It's a holiday. But we do need you to be raising your voices at the national, state, and local levels. Nationally, we need you to demand that Congress pass the Afghan Adjustment Act so that over half of the Afghans airlifted here are put on a path to permanency instead of forced to each individually go through our overburdened asylum system. We need you to hold the Biden administration accountable for resettling 125,000 refugees this fiscal year as part of our global responsibility to help the over 100 million refugees currently displaced worldwide. That's way more than after World War II. And it's important because if you discount any Afghans or Ukrainians resettled in the previous fiscal year. We have welcomed under 20,000 refugees. There are tens of thousands of refugees who have been languishing in the pipeline since the Trump administration. At the state level, we need you to work with us to extend case management for underserved refugees, ensuring that those who come to California gain access to more support for finding housing, which is a huge need, covering basic needs, and achieving self-sufficiency. And finally, and locally, be prepared to work with highest and local organizations in the event that governors from Arizona, Texas, or Florida decide to send asylum seekers here against their will. HIAS is among the lead agencies on the ground in Washington, and we're coordinating with governments in New York City, Chicago, and as of this past week, right here in Los Angeles. I've spoken about borderlands today, and with California being a border state, we must be ready to ensure that those exercising their legal right to seek asylum from persecution are welcomed with dignity and respect. As we navigate these borderlands in these very uncertain times, in the year 5783. I hope that we will find strength in our Jewish identity and our history and our culture. We don't have to choose between the particular and the universal because welcoming the stranger is exactly who we are. Gamartov, Shana Tova, thank you.